The podcast movement has exploded in recent years, which begs the question, why? And what motivates podcasters to tell their stories? Today, we sit down with four groups of Indianapolis-based true crime podcasters, the 3C Podcast, otherwise known as Circle City Crime, Infamous Indie, telling tales of nefarious connections to our city, Hoosier Homicide, which is like a conversation with friends about Indiana-based murder. My name is Ronnie, and I've had the distinct pleasure of producing and editing the Cold Case Chronicles for a group of women so passionate about bringing attention to long-forgotten cold cases. You'll hear their stories, their history, what drives these podcasters, and why they do what they do. You're listening to Infamous Indie, The 3C Podcast, Hoosier Homicide, Cold Case Chronicles. I know your secret. I know the truth. I know your secrets, and I'm telling on you. Danielle, how long has Hoosier Homestead been around? Two years in January. So what uh, what got you into podcasting? I listened to a lot of them, and then decided I'd rather hear myself talk more. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, now we're up to like 85 episodes, so they all start to bleed together. And I think we start repeating ourselves at some point, like, oh, listen to this funny story that we've only told five or six times. Mm-hmm. So if someone is binging of our episode, it'd be like, oh, my God, get to it. Who's all involved in your podcast? Who's your homicide is me, myself and I, and then my husband and my sister. So five of you. <laughs> I have to do all the goddamn work. So, yeah, there is five of me. Yeah, I understand. I feel your pain. Shh. <laughs> Ronnie, you don't do shit. <laughs> Except uh-huh. censor people. Oh, yeah. You have to tell me if I'm... No. Can I You're, curse? Y- yes. Oh, yeah. And you don't yeah. get censored. But she she says things like, that guy's a fucking kid diddler. And I'm like, you can't say that. <laughs> and then she goes, allegedly. And then she follows say, it up with, allegedly. And I'm like, no, it doesn't I work that say way. he's probably a kitty piddler. <laughs> and then he, what he hears is, that guy touched 15 kids. That's not what I said. So with other people here. Right. It's she what? says very direct, inflammatory, mean statements Probably. about people that Maybe. she should not say. You think. Period. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. But yeah, I forced my husband and my sister to start the podcast because it's really important to me. It's like a second kid and it's a form of therapy and it makes me feel like I'm using my brain again since school got expensive since student loans wouldn't go away and I couldn't spend any more money on school, but this gives me something to do and it forces us to spend time together in a specific way, whether they want to or not. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. When you, you started, did, I mean, clearly you, your Hoosier homicide, you stick to Indiana stories. Yeah. Um, why, why, why the drive for that not expanding out? Um, because it's like, how many true kind podcasts are there? Like 80,000 or some shit. Yeah, it's insane. So it's like just to do the same one. It makes us different having three people, one of which is a guy. And to, instead of just two girls talking like a really basic podcast would be all the time. Like, like Cold Case Chronicles? <laughs> no, Cold no. Case hey, Chronicles. there are four, there are four, four of us. There are four. Asshole. Only a, <laughs> only a man. I Sorry, I, you guys left it open. So we needed a, a niche. So Hi, Joe. It's just any random connection to Indiana. Stop giving me full body chills, Joe. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh. <laughs> Danielle's like, oh God, where do I go from here? I think Daniel isn't real into true crime all that much. And I can tell when I've overstepped talking about him, like, oh, you've had enough for the day. I should shut up. <laughs> My sister will talk about it just about anything until I freak her out because she lives 
she doesn't even live alone, but she freaks her out. And then I think I got into true crime because I was interested in the judicial system, like prisons and stuff, like lock up raw. Is that what it is? Lock up. That one time when you were in prison. That one time I went to prison. <laughs> I was in prison for like six months, every Thursday, all day. <laughs> you know, I could do time at the Indiana women's prison. I could do time there. I, and I tell Daniel that sometimes, like, just so you know, I could do it. Not a men's prison, but there I could. I don't even know how to follow that up. <laughs> <laughs> I taught classes there. like, And we're done. Yeah. <laughs> like coping <laughs> skills, addiction classes, way underqualified, but they're inmates. They don't give a shit. No, like, go ahead. Talk to them. Hopefully none of them stab. Nice. Mm-hmm. You've made it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a bizarre. Daniel hated it. Because I would be gone all day and no cell phone with inmates. And he's like, he hated it. Did you have our keys or anything? Bring it in for him. Go hook him up with some. I brought in too many pens one time and got in trouble. And I was like, dude, (laughs) fucking throw them away. I'm sorry. Like like a case of pens. And it's like, I guess you could get stabbed. Three in your ass. (laughs) I'm like, man, I'm so sorry. I brought all my pens. So yeah. And then I make them sit down every Sunday and listen to me tell them murder story. That's great. You guys have a lot of fun doing it. Oh, it's bad. Oh, yeah. The laughs laughs are good. So, Chris, tell me about the 3C podcast. I'm, like Danielle here, a longtime fan of true crime podcasts, and I used to bug my wife with it all the time, make her listen when we were going to bed, and try to talk to her about it all the time. Bedtime stories. (laughs) Wasn't wasn't really her thing, but then I came across a story of a crime that happened very near our home after we moved to the Speedway area. And got her talking about it. And we found out there was a Facebook group devoted to it. And so we really dove into that and got the newspapers.com subscription and really started getting into the history of the case. And we thought it was really cool at first that this Facebook group existed to kind of give a place for all the information to be. But the more we read actual articles, we realized a lot of the information going in there was bad information. And it wasn't true. It was a lot of speculation. And so we thought, you know, how can we compile all of this in a way that people can look at it and it might actually help the case going forward. And so because we were so interested in the podcast, we just thought we'd give it a shot. So we uh, started the podcast in late April of 2019 on about 22, 23 episodes now. All right. So talking about the, the Burger Chef murders and all of your episodes have have surrounded just around the one case, correct? Yes. Yeah, so the plan is to eventually branch out into other Indiana cases. And we're going to do it a season at a time on an, on a, on a, on a, just one single case. So, but right now, yeah, we're devoted to the Burger Chef murders. How long did you spend beforehand before you released your first episode? How much uh, time and research do you spend digging? So we spent close to six months communicating with people on the Facebook group and figuring out who in there might have a relation to the case that we could talk to. So it was, it was around the end of 2018 that we really got involved in, in researching the case. And then it was roughly January, February of 2019 that we decided we're going to figure out how to make this into a podcast. What's the biggest revelation you've uh, you discovered in investigating the, that crime? As far as what we've talked about so far on the podcast, I think the biggest thing for us is there's a misunderstanding out there that the police know who did this, but they just weren't able to find a way to arrest them or get them convicted. While there's a chance that's true, we've talked about five different investigators. They all say that but they all tell you it's a different person. So really, this whole thing really needed to start at square one, which is what we're trying to do. I mean, we're hoping to generate information that the police can actually act on one day, but we just felt like 
it, it really just needed to start over because that idea of they know who did it, they just couldn't prove it really is, is doesn't ring true with this case. It, uh, it's a very strange case that actually started in Speedway, Indiana, about a mile and a half west of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. It was a late night, Friday night, November 17th, 1978. Four fast food workers were closing up a Burger Chef restaurant, which was much like a Hardee's, Burger King, McDonald's type restaurant. And at some point after closing, around 11 p.m., they were taken away from the restaurant. Some money was stolen from the restaurant. But, and you know, when you talk about maybe a revelation, I don't know that we've been able to prove it yet. But it doesn't seem to us like it was really a robbery gone wrong, which has been the the police's main focus for a long time. What happened after that is the the four kids were actually driven 20 to 25 miles away down to Johnson County and killed in a field. And their bodies were discovered there about 36 hours later. That's nuts. Yeah. It's a, yeah. It's a pretty insane story as you go through step by step. You know, each thing that you discuss happened next in the sequence of events doesn't make any logical sense, really, you know. Why this restaurant of of all the places, you know, a lot of places already closed in the area might have been an easier mark. Um, Why take the kids, even if they were fearful of being recognized, you know, why not just kill them there? As bad as that sounds, I mean, if you're talking about what makes sense as a criminal, why risk driving them 30 minutes away? So, yeah, it's just a whole lot of of wacky stuff that it's, it's hard to say. It's hard to believe this all happened in the same crime. I think what gets me the most out of the Burger Chef murders is the fact that they were all killed in such a different manner. Can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, so there's a lot of speculation that goes into that. Two of the victims were um, shot execution style, and each were shot three times from behind. And then one victim was found about 75 yards away from those two, and she had been stabbed twice in the chest. Another victim was found about 100 yards away in the opposite direction, and he had been beaten. And the actual cause of death for him was asphyxiation. So he had actually choked on his own blood and and they believe probably was still alive when the perpetrators left the scene of the crime. Our belief, and, and we've talked to several investigators who believe along these same lines too, is all four of the victims were probably meant to be shot and killed the same way. But we've got two very different personality types involved here. So the two kids that were shot were very straight laced, compliant types. Whereas the other two were, one was the manager of the store or the assistant manager of the store, and the other one was just a, a bold, flashy, athletic type. So they're the ones that they, they, they believe they took off running. And so when they were caught up with, they just had to kill them in whatever manner they could. Do they think it was more than one person or just one? So most investigators we speak to believe it was more than one person. They'll often speculate on whether that means two, three, or four. I don't think I've heard anybody mention the likelihood of there being more than four. The two primary theories that are out there include either two or three. That's crazy. Because, yeah, how would they control them? Control that many. Yeah, because one of the other weird facts about the case is the assistant manager's car was driven away from the restaurant that night and left about a mile from the Speedway police station. So somebody had to be involved in controlling the kids. Somebody had to drive the vehicle that the kids were in. And then somebody else had to actually move the assistant manager's vehicle. There's a possibility she was forced to drive it away, but there would have had to have been someone in the car forcing her because the keys to the car were actually found in her pocket when they found her body. It's amazing how fear can control you, though. Even four people could be controlled by one person just by fear alone in that situation. Good work. So, yeah, we're, we're proud to be able to do this kind of work. I don't expect that we'll solve the case, you know, although... We're going about it with the possibility that we might. I think that, you know, why not? 
Um, but I think at least we're going to have the information compiled in a way that somebody maybe smarter or more connected than us can come along at some point and, and do something with it that hasn't been able to d- be done in the last 40 years. It's very honorable. Yeah, I'm always impressed by people who can do unsolved murders. Yeah, I, I often feel that uh, these ladies for the, the Cold Case Chronicles kind of start at a at a position of, of a disadvantage because you're telling a story that doesn't have an end. And we all know that listeners want a story. They want they want closure at the end and, and you, they, you can't deliver that. That doesn't mean that that they're not good stories that they shouldn't be told, um, and I'm sure they have their own reasons, which I'll explain in a minute why they do that. But uh, it does it does make it more difficult, um, you know, to to tell a story that that doesn't loop around to some some solid ending. It's frustrating. True that. True that, yo. All right, Joe, tell us about Infamous Indie. It's a little different than uh, a regular true crime podcast, isn't it? Yeah, well, thanks for saying that. I take that as a full compliment. <laughs> I really I really uh, pride myself uh, in making it different. I. I don't want to be constrained. You know, it started in February 2019. So I have a little, just under 20 episodes. I'm about to hit number 20. Actually interviewed an FBI agent today for the uh, upcoming couple. It started with basically me and my wife, Carrie, who's sitting right next to me. We started listening to My Favorite Murder. Mm -hmm. And then we got into other podcasts, including Sword and Scale. And that was kind of like a big opening for me because I realized what I was hearing, and it's not nothing against people and who want to do podcasting for any reason. It's all good, but I, I have a, a special skill in the sense that I was a reporter, I was a journalist, so I looked at this as another avenue for me to do the work that I was doing on TV, but in an expanded format. Where on TV you only hear a story, and if it's a shooting or a crime, you only get a minute and a half to tell a story. I know it's, you know, we're, I'm right into third grade level, but that is not a lot of time. And there's a lot of things that are missed. And sometimes I would be on scene of a crime and I would be getting information and I had to package it. I had to basically not use it because I couldn't fit it in. So, and I found that so frustrating. And for so long, I started listening to podcasts. It kind of clicked. I was like, hey, I can use this as a medium to get more information out for what stuff I'm hearing. And then what made it Indianapolis for me was because I lived in multiple uh, places as a reporter. So I've been, I was doing it in other places and felt that way. And then when I came to Indy and I met my wife and we started doing, you know, listening to the podcast, I realized that Wish TV had this archival footage of her Baumeister, the serial killer from Westfield who killed, you know, what police can call about 11, but they suspect more, way more than that. But I had this archival footage that I went down, I pulled the tape, I mean, literally dust on the boxes, I'm pulling the tape, I put it in, and it's fucking Herb Baumeister staring at me. And it's tape that hasn't been played probably in 10, 15 years. And I'm like, holy shit, Herb's here. <laughs> he just entered the room. <laughs> oh, man. And, and that was kind of a, a, a big moment for me because that got my obsession with Indiana crime going because I'm not from here. And when I realized who was here, I was, I was floored. Reverend Jim Jones, Herb Almeister, H.H. Holmes, D.C. Stevenson, the Sylvia Likens murder. Uh, I, I mean, you can go on and on, and that's just indie. And these are Charles Manson, Dillinger. I mean, Jack the Ripper, if you want to believe Holmes is Jack the Ripper. But it's crazy to see all these connections here in Indianapolis. 
I mean, I went and saw Dillinger's grave with my son. Like, I'm like, that's obsession, I think, guys. <laughs> no, I, I thought it was really cool. It's, it's some of those connections, you know, you don't realize exist until you start digging a bit. But uh, like Charles Manson, you mentioned that just a second ago. The fact that he, he spent time here. Did, is he at the boys' school? Is he yeah, at the boys' school. The boys school? At least there. Yeah, yeah. And, and I have a historian friend that believes that Charles Manson and uh, Reverend Jim Jones may have been recruiting at Central State Hospital at the same time. Because weak minds follow leaders. Yeah. So a little bit. But Carrie, I want to ask Carrie a question. Yeah. She won't talk unless she gets asked the question. So I want to ask my wife a question. Carrie, how do you feel about me bringing our son to Dillinger's grave? (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, he liked it. He liked going along with you. He talks about it. So as long as he's okay and comfortable. Well, it was more of a historical thing for us. Right. He also went on his first uh, ghost tour last week, and he really enjoyed it. The only thing that creeped him out was um, standing over the body of the 10-year-old that H.H. Holmes had murdered in Irvington. Yeah. Carrie joins me on the podcast every once in a while because I, I also feel that being a male, having certain interviews like domestic violence survivors, uh, I need another another set of ears to hear things that I might not be able to pick up as a male. And I invited Carrie to do a couple of episodes, one with our good friend who's a body language expert. I mean, it, that kind of gives you, Ronnie, the breadth of what I've what what the podcast is about. It's more like I try to do things that will be interesting that have Indiana ties that are true crime related and not necessarily case by case. I'm kind of moving on. You know, I interview authors. And so I hope you guys like it because, you know, you're you guys are my clan <laughs> no, i mean it's, it's certainly a very cool format it's 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 very unique just like you said if that's your goal you you definitely hit the mark it's awesome you talk about connections joe one of the first episodes i heard of your podcast was about the hollinsburg murders to, to drop a little something we haven't really said on our podcast one of the prime suspects in the burger chef murders was actually a, a roommate of drollinger yeah roger? A, a roommate of roger drollinger yeah, yeah, yeah. i thought it day. was stonebreaker yeah that i've heard that as well and the, and partially you know this is why Recently, the reason we're in this room is because we're all on Instagram. And then uh, I met uh, Who's Your Homicide, Daniel, Daniel, you know, and, and I got to spend a whole time in their living room with their dog. Oh, my daughter still remembers you. You're going to go see Joe? <laughs> I made a pie and I'm going to see Joe. Okay. And, and then we started talking. I said, well, who else is of, like good at podcasting and, <laughs> and does true crime in Indiana? And sure enough, we're all here and. It's. I think that's fate, honestly, that we're all kind of in the same mindset that in the same time period to do stuff like this. I think it's really important and I don't think we should forget how transformative it can be if it's used for good. We're going to catch those bad guys. Yeah. Hell yeah. Used for good and not evil. <laughs> she scares me. She's still, she, she has to remind herself that like every day. Yes. I will use my I powers for good today. mantra every morning. Yeah. So speaking of mantras, uh, Amy, can you, uh, you tell me about that Cold Case Chronicles, how, how, uh, how you came to be and how yes. you, you tell me what to do all the time? Yes, I do tell you. You're my little monkey. <laughs> <laughs> so. Cold Case Chronicles came to be because I decided I needed something to do with my time other than telling you what to do. So we all four were fans also of My Favorite Murder, and we were all on the websites and those type things where we were true crime fans, and 
I started looking into different cases and feeling like I wanted to do something about some of these cold cases because there's so many in Indiana. I have a background in psychology and criminal justice, and I always liked forensics and that type thing. And so I just wanted to do something. I felt like there had to be something I could do. So I just kind of threw it out there to the girls and said, you know, does anybody else have an interest in doing this? And it wasn't even so much about a podcast at first. It was just about trying to get people together to try and help law enforcement with some of these cases. These girls were like all over it. Yeah, let's get this done. And so then Ronnie, my husband, was like, oh, let's do a podcast. So I was like, okay, let's do a podcast. He brought this upon himself. Yes. So he did this to himself. It's not my fault. It is. Oh, the truth comes out. It's not my fault. <laughs> so the first case, we contacted the law enforcement. They were eager to have our help. And it's kind of gone from there. We just go case to case. And if law enforcement doesn't want our help, they get it anyway. And. <laughs> And we just are going strictly in Indiana just because there's so many cases in Indiana that need to be solved. And we just are going where the facts lead us. Sometimes it's in directions that the law enforcement has already gone and other times it's not. There's been a couple of cases that are hopefully on the way to getting solved and Unfortunately, there's a couple that aren't very promising, but that's just the way cold cases are, unfortunately. All right. So I'm going to I'm going to put uh, one of you on the spot. Um, let Allie answer this. Allie, if you will, um, tell me how the all the people in your podcast and then tell me what what personality they bring to the table. <laughs> OK, um, <laughs> I definitely say Amy is the leader. She does the most external research out of all of us. And she's the one that reaches out to law enforcement and out to um, like random people associated with the case, like family members, friends, neighbors, what have you. And uh, she's persistent. And she spent a lot of time on the phone with some of these people and has gotten some good information from there that we've talked about on our episodes. And uh, she's good at following up with them. And Ronnie even hassles some of them too. Um, like check your Facebook messages. We're trying to get a hold of you. And um, so, yeah, definitely from that perspective. Alicia, I would say you bring um, sarcasm. She's like, and why are you here? <laughs> like, I forgot you were here. No. Every time you, like most of the time when you're talking, I just burst out laughing because you say the most random funny stuff. <laughs> and Danny, you're super supportive and you bring a lot of good ideas to the table as well. Ronnie, your technical skills, we wouldn't be here today. No, we would not be nope. here. <laughs> None of us. I'd be. We'd all record on our phone in a circle. That's what my, my setup. And uh, yeah, like uh, like you said, you brought it upon yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of did. So the 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 real story is that um, I had built the studio for music production for my, for my daughter. Uh, she's a very good musician. Um, she she sings our intro. No, she does. She she sings our intro. Uh, so so the song you hear at the beginning and the end of our podcast is is my daughter. Um, and shout out Jade Rose. Shout out yes. Jade Rose. Yeah. Uh, I built the studio for her uh, and, and just for her and I'd have something to do. And when she uh, broke my heart, ran off to college, uh, it really <laughs> it really wasn't getting used that much. It is sort of like my, my man cave. I like hanging out in here and noodling on guitar and stuff. But 
um, it was a good opportunity with Amy and all her uh, murder geeks um, to just say, hey, we're already here. I already have the gear. Let's let's go record some stuff and see what happens. And it's been it's been tons of fun. It's just it's it's unreal how fun it is. Yeah, it gets frustrating after you edit the 13,000th. Um, but um, but it's, it's still fun. Um, yeah, just um, like that. Everybody just um it. I personally um, like um, I personally like the tangents we go off on while we're recording and we're just like Ronnie's gonna hate us so much. They don't get published. We yeah. uh yeah. but I, we I recognize them and then we keep them going for <laughs> <laughs> That's because they're vindictive bitches. <laughs> It's great though. We'll that's because we all. It's, that's fun. because you've cut far too many of our like really important information or jokes. You've cut just too much of us, right? You allegedly. I cut allegedly. I cut too much of you. <laughs> one of the funniest stories that I, I really want to try to get in here, Danny. Please just tell us how you first got into true crime. Oh, Danny. 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 Why I like true crime? Yeah. That. Yeah. That. My, well. I really think it traces back to Scooby-Doo. I really do. Um, when I think of like as a little kid, I, I watched Scooby-Doo all the time. And then I was always interested in like, yeah, who's the bad guy? I wanted to figure it out. And then I think the fact that my my dad was always paranoid and like wanting, as most parents, wanting me to be safe. Just like the combo of that. And then, of course, all my, my parents watch like Criminal Minds and Law and & Order and all of those cl- shows. So... I guess TV really impacted me to be interested in true crime. <laughs> and then just like the paranoia of like, there are really bad people out there, even if they're not like in my life, I know it's around and I just wanted to be a part of it and like helps reduce it because I'm more of a lucky person. So that's my story. Scooby-Doo. I Scooby-Doo. grew up on Scooby-Doo. TV and I'm TV. <laughs> Scooby-Doo was great. I said, I grew up on TV and I'm TV. I'm sorry, but I was terrified of Scooby-Doo. <laughs> like, really? that show was scary Of all to things me. you're scared of, it's Scooby-Doo. Yes, Scooby-Doo and the Hulk were the two absolutely also, terrifying. Scooby-Doo, they're yes. the stupidest. It's always, like, they, literally, they're running they with the, per- like, the suspect. It's always just like, which mask is going to be the right. bad person? Right. Every time. Mr. Druthers. They always <laughs> solve it in Scooby-Doo, though. That's right. They they always solve it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I think one of the key points I'm trying to make is that all of you guys are are driven by something totally different. Um, you know, Amy has a fascination with true crime, probably because she's just practicing to kill me in my sleep one night. <laughs> and then <laughs> we're gonna help her. Don't worry. Already planned. Out. We already yeah. know how know. it's gonna happen. I know too. it's okay. Just everybody know if anything happens to me before my time's up, you know where to look. No, they won't. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you. Yeah, so I'm just I have all of the anxiety about everything. So I'm pretty sure I'm dying at every single moment, and I know exactly how I'm going to die in this room. But I don't. I've already figured out how I'm going to get out, and that's why I park under the window so I can just literally jump into my car and leave. So I kind of became obsessed with true crime and trying to avoid it and becoming a victim. So I'm still here, but somebody will find me one day. It was Danielle, you guys kind of, I don't know, vibe and just raw out on some things, you know? Um, oh yeah. So just anything goes, you pretty much let it, let it all fly. <laughs> I, I do have to cut some things that are like, Oh, this is horrendous. We can't say this out loud. 
The yeah. river shits was, was pretty high. Was pretty shit, high bar. That's Carla. Yeah. 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 Pretty high bar. Goes to yeah. Ireland, gets the river shits. It was awesome. There, there is a lot of shit. And I don't know why, but it's just a big part of our lives to talk about shit. It happens to my mother in Disney World. That's one episode. I feel real bad for her still about that, but she's a good sport. Uh, yeah, we just talked probably the first 10 to 15 minutes is just us talking about whatever has been going on in our lives. And some people hate that, like hate, hate it. The, ban- the banter. I'm like, but I'm fucking witty. So I give them a timestamp in our show notes. Like, here, you sorry, sorry, sad person. Skip us being funny and jump to 12 minutes and 30 seconds in there. <laughs> then you'll get to the story. Yeah. Yeah. We, we've had some reviews like that, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, they told us we're like the view, but we took it as a compliment. <laughs> I didn't we read that out loud. We're like the view, only not. We're was, like the view, but with murder and less politics. Yeah. And we're like, that's a great compliment yeah <laughs> but i think it was one and star. funnier like, wait a second well of course then there's always the one review that says uh that we're a crime <laughs> knockoff that was that was classic the that what gave me you better yeah. you better bleep that name out <laughs> that gave us all full body we chills. read our bad <laughs> reviews on i will show. yeah I, I, will. I was gonna say we should do that we should have did a couple bad reviews i, I mean we called it. that one out. i know <laughs> hey I just... we could look at the bad reviews as constructive criticism yeah. we've learned off it i guess that was really good negative review that was actually credit we were like you know what she's really right actually we what could it, do it now this is it? why you should start listening to you know what's funny is most of the negative feedback well i think we have three bad reviews um just, just three, Once really. From me, it's um, but we've gotten some hate mail. Oh, I've never gotten mail. Uh, oh, mail? Why don't you tell us? Things? Email, you know what I mean. You don't it's tell us anything. Uh, you didn't share that with us. We need to read that out loud. Listen, you're gonna go. Oh yeah, that one. The lady from Laporte or something. Oh yeah, You guys are just sorry. You guys are just sad. We had a guy the first like four weeks of our podcast, he would send me a Facebook message telling me I mispronounced something. Oh. So then I finally called him out on the podcast and he stopped. So. <laughs> I've seen nice. people delete their Hi. reviews before because we made so much fun of them. The negative uh, review. Hi, can you come on to my show and actually tell me how to pronounce Speedway since I'm doing it wrong? <laughs> <laughs> it's oh. Burger Chef, not Chief. You're just illiterate. <laughs> Let go. <laughs> I've never gotten a mean review. Oh, okay, mean reviews. Yes, but never like a direct mean comment to me or like Facebook, Instagram. No one's ever said anything mean or sexually offensive to me in any way because they know that it's a woman that's operating all never got a dick pic ever which i'm still shocked <laughs> we she's at, oh you're asking for I, it yeah, now we, yeah. so that's i keep Danielle requesting them, them. Yeah, that's that's, that's, them yeah that's <laughs> right and i say that at, out loud at who's your <laughs> i'll tell daniel that and he goes you wouldn't tell me if you did get one and i was like no i probably wouldn't <laughs> well he says they'll take it to work and show it to everyone they like, all show it at my work hilarious <laughs> so just be aware if you send Yellow dick pic, it's going to be shown throughout central Indiana. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> oh, yes, because she's going to share it with all of us, too. And we all investigate stuff, so we will trace it back to you. <laughs> right, right. Look at that mole. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's funny that, particularly with you ladies in the Cold Case Chronicles, you all have different motives. I don't know. A voyeur of gross crime? I don't I don't know. She just, she's in, in, empowered by it somehow. I'm going to die. Are you talking about me? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, and then, you know, it's like, because I uh, like to look at dead people. Yeah. That, that's the, <laughs> oh yeah. That's I'm the with thing. Her Guys, if you one. ever find a dead body, please yeah. call Amy. Yeah. Yes. But we is, get really mad when there's somebody else like finds a dead body and we're and like, mother me. I know because that's it's only happening seven all miles the time. away. She just thinks she, we could probably solve it, you know? Well, yeah, because like, the other day, she said, I really smell something dead over by my house. And, and I gave her like exact, I was like, 
I can't stop and get exact like latitude and longitude for you. But if you stop your car here and walk for <laughs> this direction. And I've I've been begging for a cadaver dog and I really want one because I said we can trade four cats for a cadaver dog. <laughs> we never I never found a dead body, but you know, obviously, I recovered. I covered a few things, so I've I've seen them. One of one of the great, one of the worst was I was standing downhill in on the east side from a shooting, and we were shooting up, and the family came in crying. They obviously were you know distraught, and they were just covering the body, and they put it in the coroner's van. And as they as they kind of the fire department was there, they had to clean the street, and they washed the blood off, and it ran down underneath my shoes while I was doing my live shot. Uh oh, so I I didn't. It's, Did that make you? No, no, <laughs> that, that didn't make you too. But there w- was another time we, uh, in our neighborhood, there was a sh- there was a shooting like next our neighborhood next door, and I had the scanners for work, and I was at work, and I was like, oh my god, that's right next to our house, and so I raced home. Carrie was outside walking around. She was- taking pictures. <laughs> yes, yes, at me. Yes. What did you see, Carrie? Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought I saw uh, the suspect that they were looking for. I was right outside of the tape and um, a guy with a hood up who fit the description of the suspect they were looking for walked quickly right by me as I was taking pictures of the crime scene. From from across <gasps> oh. the street, though, you weren't so close where or you were right next to it, right next to him. Oh, I didn't even realize. So as this is happening, she tells me it's going on. I took the pictures. I sent them to you and I asked you what was going on. Right. And then I came racing home after I told her, get in the house, (laughs) lock the door and don't come out. Of course, everyone was really scared when I got home. (laughs) But then Channel 8 was there. So I went over and started working because I was a daybreak reporter and this was a night shooting. So I kind of helped the nightside crew do some extra work. We went live on Facebook as I was coming home racing. I see the guy in a hoodie walking across the bridge over the highway on County Line Road near 65, walking over 65 on County Line. And I thought to myself, what the hell is a guy? And it was like 20 degrees outside, only wearing a hoodie, walking with his face down. And this just happened. So I immediately pulled over to the next police officer I saw and told him, I figured you would like that. That story. (gasps) Did they get him? Was it him? Yeah, it was him. And And they arrested him. There you Sweet. Go. So no dead body, but that's Hero Joe right there. That would be the Joe Hero Show. We've got a story like that. It will probably be my wife's lasting impression of our podcast. Um, the, the very first night we sat down to record, we hear a pop. And it sounds really weird because we had the headphones on and everything. I'm like, is that what I think it was? So we both get up. And by the time we open the door, the lady across the street is running out of her house screaming. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Apparently, uh, the guy inside the house had allegedly. shot himself. Allegedly, <laughs> the guy had shot himself. Uh, but yeah, like the very second we sat down to record our first episode, and so I actually was the one that first one to call nine one one, and like second, that might be the greatest beginning of a podcast, yes. podcast I've ever heard of. <laughs> it was it was some kind or of sign. The saddest. I don't know if it was do it or don't do it, but it was some kind of sign. Frickle frackling. Who's frickle frackling on the iPad? Since podcasting runs in the family and pets are an extension of the family, if you've ever listened to Hoosier Homicide, you'd know about their dog, Boris. And just like our family, Amy's a crazy cat lady. 
like mother, like daughter, Jada just so happens to FaceTime in while we're in a recording session. <laughs> Hi, Jada. So this is the famous Hi. singer on the uh, on your podcast? Yes. Jada, will you sing our song right now? Like right now? Yes. <laughs> yeah, everyone. sure, do it. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but I thought maybe you'd do it anyway. Are you in your car? Yeah, I am in my car. I called mom and then a bunch of friends, and I just need someone to convince me to get out of my car because it's cold and I don't feel like it. So, well, go inside I, and take oh, we the can phone all with you. you. We want to see Otterbox. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll walk go, with we you. Go, we want to see Otter. Go. Yeah, we'll walk with you. <laughs> you want to see Otter? Yeah. Oh, look, that was nice. all she needed. Yeah. yeah. She's like, no, he's in the car with me. Immediately, the sound guy, Ronnie, just hooks up Otter's the sound. Car. Yeah. Can we get Jada one of those cat backpacks for Christmas? Like from I the have one. The other day recommended that I uh, bring the cat stroller to campus. Yeah. You, your you friends are stupid. No, do it. I am jaywalking. Who's behind you? <laughs> Don't talk here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, we'll solve it, Jada. Not she, funny. She didn't even, she's like, that's not even a thing he's like don't even joke just don't get murdered yeah. sorry for interrupting what is the what is the other yeah, saying yeah, yeah. it's okay stay, i guess stay sexy that, no from the podcast that shall not be named be weird full body chills full body chills full body chills stay alive or yeah be weird be rude stay alive what's oh the exact same thing as my Jensen favorite murder and holes don't be a what's your guys have the day you deserve. I like that. Yeah, so that. Oh, I love Danielle's is good. For honest to goodness, because that's our state slogan is for honest to goodness, which is really weird. And then stay out of the corner. <laughs> I did not know that was our state slogan. Yeah. She's so I'm not nearly as clever as these ladies are. No, neither am I, dude. Look at her. She's so happy. She's so happy. She's like, I bow to you. That's a cute cat. A lot of cats today. I know. See, I you like them. Go give her her food and give her a cookie. I give her a cookie. Give her some catnip. And See how sweet what? her apartment is. Ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I know. She's like fancy and rich. Yeah. That's wow. a nice apartment. I know. I like yeah, no wall. shit. Thank I know. You. Brick wall. Show, show I didn't your, even get one of those after wall. college. Right? Yeah. So you, you really she really has to sing. Can you tell yeah, convince sing. her to sing, Ronnie? Yeah, sing something for us. Do do the do the intro. She doesn't remember Which it. Part? Any uh, of it. I, know. I know your secret. I know the truth. I know your secrets, and I'm telling on you. Ooh, that was good, Jada. Ooh. Way to go! Yay! Thank you. Thank you very much. One of the cases that we're about to do is uh, an inner city girl and I talked to her mom last week and I didn't realize it but it happened to be the week of this girl's birthday and even though she was older and I mean older like 22 but her mom was so upset and she was just like you know I'm just so thankful for you because you just are showing interest I felt like sad, but then happy that I chose the case too. But then also so sad for her that no one else has shown interest in her child. How many cases are out there like that? Right. Tons. And that, and, that, and I'm just dovetailing here. It, it's exactly what it is with me and when I felt the news wasn't doing its job. I mean, there's only so many people in so many hours 
to be able to cover everything that happens. And a lot of these cases, like you're saying, they once the, the news cycle, that 24-hour news cycle is over, it's kind of gone. Delphi is a an, an, is an outlier. You know, it's something that's a different case where it kind of comes up every two years because it's unsolved. But, you know, they're a lucky family that they get that coverage because it is such an interesting crime. And they're also kind of an anomaly as well because they have a family member who right. doesn't Ke- stop talking about it. If Kelsey didn't keep pushing for that, I yeah. bet it would fall to the wayside as well. That case was a big part of my motivation for starting our podcast was because I was seeing a lot of the news reports from, you know, 2015 about the Delphi case that were so similar to the same things I was reading from 1978, 1979, 1980 about the Burger Chef murders. And it's like these things just become about publicity more than police work. And, you know, so I wanted to to talk about that. And, and hopefully you don't see a case like the Delphi case or there were two others that happened very close to our home. Um, I don't know if you know the story of Amaya Robertson, the the little baby. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, yep. And so, and that happened right around the time we were contemplating the podcast. And so those two things were really at the top of our mind of, of we need to start talking about how this is actually going down in our state. Well, and we talk about a lot how like the news can be a blessing and a curse all at once because we go through these old articles and sometimes we get most of our information from news articles, but then we're like, well, depending on who did the article and if they word it this way versus this way, we're like, oh, it looks like this guy is guilty. Like that one, the whole book on that crowded was like based off this stuff and everyone believed it and that's what everyone thought. But then we're like, well, it's not true. And then, so like in that way, it's a curse. And then we're like, but, the news articles give us way more information than police have ever given us. And but so then one simple word yeah. that a, like, okay, a newspaper so, could yeah. use changes everything. Yeah. And then you use that word and you're like, well, but the news said this, but that reporter might have just written it wrong. Yeah. And the way it was worded yeah. changes everything. Because as Joe says, like sometimes they don't have a lot of time to do stuff yes. like that. So or, they don't double check or they don't realize what they're saying and how impactful it can be yes or reporter a is having to pack up and leave but reporter b comes in and gets completely different yeah or it wouldn't be different it would just be it would just be passed along so they would telephone yeah yes and then put this right right that's what i mean they would get something completely different out of it because if if you're researching something like when we do it and i'm literally trying to figure out if somebody lived close to someone and a reporter wrote one fourth mile, but it was actually four miles or, you know, yeah. and it makes a huge difference when you're trying to figure out if they live close enough to walk somewhere. Yeah. Then, you know, it might have been just a mix up in the paper, but you can't go back and ask someone when it was 30 years ago. Yeah. And what I think people are learning, and I think you can attribute this to so many true crime podcasts is that police don't put as much time or have as much time as people think they do to work on these cases. So when you get people who are very passionate about it and who have the time to go look into it, it makes a big difference. And that's what I think a lot of people are doing in true crime. Well, and unfortunately, I think a lot of people believe that they're still working really actively on their case. Right. And they're not because a lot of these officers and even DAs aren't working hard on their cases. And the victims really believe that they're actively working on their case and they're really or they retired. 
Yes. You know, exactly. there's a lot of shifting and moving of personnel. Yeah. I, I can tell you for a fact on the Burger Chef case, there are retired officers that are working harder on this case than the current officers. Absolutely. And it's that's it's happened in a lot of the and, cases. And I'll come across information and I, I'm like, man, I want to go tell them. I want to go. But I just know it would end up on somebody's desk or floor. And, you know, it's yeah. uh, it's such a frustrating. I feel like I've got to run with it myself and I'm not qualified to yeah. do it. You know? I, I, we've done the same thing. And I've I've sat there and I, I'm like, you know, and le- until I have this on a silver platter to hand to them with all the work done, there's no need to do it because otherwise it's just going to sit there. Yeah. I think we got really lucky with our first detective too. Oh, he's yeah. fabulous. He, he was great. Completely understands that maybe some of the information we're not giving him, we don't know everything that he does, but some of it gives him just a whole new light on it. But he's also kind of a, he teaches, he's yes. an instructor. He, so he kind of, he wanted it to be solved. So. Yes. He understands right. the value of using other people too. I mean, right. To be able he to com- keep it going. And I think that's only going to keep going. I think people are going to slowly and slowly start to realize how important it is to use podcasts that are dedicated and passionate about solving crimes to solve these murders. And we're not trying to be police officers. We're we're, we're very self, definitely not self aware <laughs> that this is all like we're we're regurgitating a lot of at least from my perspective. I'm regurgitating a lot. We're trying to find new avenues, new ways of thinking. Years later, I mean, the whole world's changed. We have a we have a computer in our pocket all the time. So our thinking has changed. So why not look at old stuff in a new way? We've talked about it. And Ronnie, you even said it today. Like, we don't care if we make money. Mm -mm. And I think that's a big point for all of us. And I think we've, you know, in the last two times we've met and both times that we've met all of us, I think that's come up a lot because that's really important. I mean, it would be awesome if we could, but that's not why we're on this and why we're doing this. We want to we want to change the world in some small way in our own way. I'm gonna just stop you right there. Somebody wants to give us money. I'm not gonna stop. <laughs> so you I go live clear. your life. And... I, we, I was clear. I didn't say I wouldn't take money. <laughs> just that we don't. We just not necessarily. That's not our goal. I'll take Joe's part. Wait, hold on. Time out. Where's Thanks, the union Joe. rep? Today, our network of friends and podcast family expanded greatly. We'd love some feedback on what you've heard today about true crime podcasting. Feel free to reach out to any of us, Cold Case Chronicles, Infamous Indie, 3C Podcast, or Hoosier Homicide. And as always, have the day you deserve, especially if you don't like solving crimes. As I always say, stay safe. And for honest to goodness, stay stay out out of the corn. I know your secrets and I'm telling on you. Uh, Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Awesome.